Uh, welcome back to another episode of The Riff. Uh, my name is Cameron uh, and I am your host as per always. Uh, and today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, one of my close personal friends from around here in Penrith, uh, Mr. Dave Rosenthal from Judge Accountants. Dave, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Cameron. Thanks for bringing me along today. Oh, it's Pleasure great to have a chat. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We've been talking about it for a while, and um, I think a lot of our listeners out there, you know, need to hear from a good accountant about, you know, how they can move forward with things in their business. No, exactly. And look, uh, Judge Accountants, where we're here, is sort of helping our clients on their paths to success. Yep. Um, obviously, this time, success can mean many different things in this day and age. Could be meaning just surviving. Yep. Could mean trying to, you know, repivot their business in light of things. So it's really good to sort of be out there and offer some advice and help people grow. Yep. No, absolutely. So um, why don't you just give us a bit of a rundown about, you know, Judge uh, Accountants uh, and yourself, just so our listeners can learn a bit more about you. Of course. Um, Judge Accountants have been around in the Penrith area for many, many years. Um, the latest iteration of Judge Accountants have been around since the last six years. Yep. Uh, recently, recently, new two partner firms. So obviously, Barclay Judge, uh, yep. Director, and Gabby Bankovic have um, joined on. She recently became Director herself in July. So yep. um, they are looking to grow the business. Um, we, I would consider ourselves a so a very progressive advisory firm offering mm -hmm. uh, services to all types of clients, whether it be individual tax returns to large to, medi to medium businesses, all around sort of the business life cycle. Yep. Uh, where sort of we offer is a full integrated service, you know, not only just financial planning, also well, obviously accounting and tax, yep. uh, full CFO advisory. Uh, we offer offer financial planning through um, s separate businesses and offer additional services from our group, including insurances, mortgage broking, and other fi finance and other uh, accounting matters as such. Okay, awesome. So you're kind of like the one-stop shop, which is always good. <laughs> That's the hope. Exactly. That's where we aim to be. And we also understand that basically everything kind of all connects with accounting anyway. So yeah. it's that kind of trying to make sure that you know where you're going and whatever we're offering we try to work with other players yep. as well. As, as I've said, we've done plenty of work, you and me together. Yep. So we're always looking to connect and make sure that, you know, we're not, we don't just silo ourselves off and just nut out and do a tax return and yep. that's it. Yep. No, I, I agree. And definitely I have a lot of respect for accountants because I hate numbers. So <laughs> nu numbers scare me. So a good accountant that loves numbers is the best thing in the world to me. So. Oh, look, the simple thing is anyone asking what I do, I make sense of financials. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. Yep, it's great. Now, one of the, the key areas wh which we both touch on, yep. um, which we're kind of experiencing, you know, a bit of an influx at the moment is business structure. Correct. So uh, from a legal standpoint, obviously, there's many business structures uh, and we can help set them up and, you know, and we deal with them when, you know, shit hits the fan. Yep. Um, but from your perspective, you help, you know, create them and offer advice as to which one you think would be the best, depending on the situation. What, what's a basic rundown of what business structures you offer? And then we might just have a bit of a chat about each one. Sure, sure, sure. So look, I'll take a step back there for a moment and yep. kind of talk about how, why it's, it, it take, you need to really get your structure right to begin with. Yep. I would say a lot of business or you deal with is cleaning up clients who weren't given the right advice to begin with. Yep. Um, and having the right structure is is paramount in how you grow and manage your business. Yep. Um, it, it's a massive thing because 
Um, and it's not a static thing. It's not like a set and forget. Yep. I think your structure will evolve as you grow your business. But what you need to do is you need to get your structure right at the start or at least understand how it works. I think a lot of people just go off and set up whatever they do and have no understanding of it. And then some accountant actually looks at it properly and goes, well, hang on a second. What you're trying to do, this structure is going to impede you. Yep. And then you have to unwind it and good rule of thumb with tax with business structures whatever it costs up front yep if you don't get it right add an extra zero and that's what it's going to cost to fix it up in the tail end so it's almost like what we do as well it's always better to do things you know proactively and then retrospectively oh yeah absolutely absolutely and it, it, it also you know and the thing with structures there's no one right structure as i always tell yep. clients there's no right way or wrong way. Yep. It's just everything has an opportunity consequence. Yeah. So, you know, and I guess how we f- probably work hand in hand, well, obviously, with, you know, from a, you know, a lawyer and an accountant is, you know, with structures, there's always a, a, a t- back and through between asset protection and tax minimization. Yeah. You know, you're trying to get those sort of, because you can't have them both. Yeah, that's There's right. always going to be a balance. Like yep. what, what's good for minimizing tax not necessarily protects you quite well. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. I was always taught this one thing. Basically, the main thing was it's called it's the five P's. Yep, planning prevents piss poor performance. Yep, no, that's good words to live by. <laughs> very, very good. Exactly, good sound advice. Yeah. So, business structure wise, what what you know kind of structures do you offer your clients? There's multiple different structures. So I'll go from a bit more in general, but I think the one key thing when you're doing the structure yep. is the first question I always ask clients, and this is, might seem a little different, but the first thing you need to think about is how you're actually going to exit the business. Yeah. Not how you start, how you exit. Okay. That actually gives a lot of idea of how to get the structure going to begin with. Yep. Because when you get in, everything's fine, everyone's happy. But it's when you actually, when shit hits the fan yep. and you're having a dispute and you're having an issue... Yeah. that's when the structure really comes into play of what you have. That's right, especially from our perspective as well. You know, we go through all the documents to be able to go, well, you know, what needs to happen in this situation? What have you agreed to and, exactly. and stuff like that? You need to definitely, I, I, I agree with you that there, we need to get the documents and the structure right from the get-go. Exactly, because by the time it gets to you, the damage is already done ah, and yep. you, you can't really unring that bell yep. and how you had it set up to begin with is a massive thing. Yep. But like, well, the going through structures, there's probably about five standard structures. Yep. So, and we'll go from in general. We have uh, you have your sole trader. Yep. You got your partnership. Yep. You got your company. Yep. You got your trust. Yep. And you got a self-managed super fund. Yep. Okay. Um, but one thing you can always think about, and we office with clients, is actually do a combination of a few. Mm-hmm. But I'll run through a bit. I'll run through them anyway, just sort of very pros yep. and cons of how each one works. Yep. So obviously, sole trader is your startup one. That's basically, you know, it's kind of like you start up, you go out the business, and you just get your ABN and you're contracting or do whatever you want. I always think of a sole trader that uh, one example that I've had before is great, just somebody that's like selling candles, for yeah. instance, okay? Um, you know, you're not, you know, doing major things. You might be selling them at, you know, market stalls or something. Exactly. You just get an ABN and you go from there. Exactly. And it's the, it's the easiest to set up. Like literally you could, you can have an ABN in about half an hour. Yep. It's pretty straightforward. Um, once you set up the ABN, away you go. Yep. Uh, the, so that's the advantage of it. Um, it's easy to walk away as well. Yeah. Cause it's just an ABN. You set it up and you cancel it just as quickly. Yep. So that's probably some of the benefits of that. Yep. I think, um, going forward, 
you know, and there's minimal reporting requirements. Like yeah. it's not like you have to go to ASIC or do anything like that. Whatever you earn is yeah. just disclosed in your personal tax returns. So, yeah. you know, if you had a salary and you sold candles on the weekend, well, you add the income from the candles onto your salary and that's what you pay tax on. Yep. Simple Absolutely. as that. Biggest cons about it is one, it's not tax effective. Mm-hmm. So you're getting taxed at your marginal tax rate. So you don't get that like flat, you know, yeah. 30% or 27.5%. Yeah. So, you know, good rule of thumb for everyone is if you're earning income from your business and normally more than about, well, actually now, because of the change of the tax rates, used to be it's 90,000. Now, with obviously the change of tax rates, yeah. if you're looking at about 120, 100 to 120K a year, yeah. profit, yeah. good idea to think about maybe restructuring. Yep. So that's a good rule of thumb. But also you have unlimited liability. Yeah, you, which is what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Sole traders need to understand what they're getting themselves into because you look at it, it's almost like a guarantee. Exactly. So if something goes wrong, and as I like to say, shit hits the fan, um, the person that the bank or you know creditor or whoever is going to come looking for you and you know if you own property or a house or something like that, you're personally liable. You could potentially lose that. Exactly. So good pro of you know being cheap and easy but obviously the con being you know you're liable and it's not tax effective make sure you got a good insurance policy that's right and a good lawyer and accountant exactly (laughs) (laughs) and also people just get a bit lost with it like they don't know how to like normally people the amount of people who don't like set up you know software properly and they come in with receipts like they should get up set up themselves a bit bit more diligently getting at the start and with some other things is understanding how insurances work. So one thing which people, a lot of people don't know is that a sole trader, you, you can't have workers' compensation. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. But the amount of sole traders I know who actually register for work cover, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like yep. you, if you, you're paying for nothing because yep. you make a claim, a sole trader can't claim workers' comp. Yeah. So people need to realize what they're getting into and that's where getting the right advice and understanding... From the start. Right from the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, because it should be covered in a, seeing a good insurance broker yep. or getting that sort of fixed up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the key thing is having a good team dedicated behind you, you know, your accountant, your lawyer, your insurance broker, whatever, just making sure you're getting that sound advice. Like we've said, you can't stress enough from the beginning Yes. Uh, so that you know what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. Yeah. It's understanding exactly what's going to happen. when It's not about when things are going great because when things are great, Everyone's happy. Everyone's yeah. making money. It's when things are wrong. And yeah. it's actually understanding what happens if this happens or I get hit by a bus or how does everything play out. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one, partnership. Partnership. Okay. So let's say, you know, you and me, Cameron, we, yep. we were selling candles together. Yep. Uh, well, I was selling jewelry and yep. you were selling candles. And when, then we decided to put our resources together and we did like a, you know, candle and jewelry shop yep you know, you know taking on the taking on the other jewelry stores out there and I selling think cam's candles kind of sells itself so. oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. cam's candles <laughs> and anyway so let's just say we wanted to start off um we could form what's called a partnership yep and the partnership is just basically an agreement between the two of us to run the business mm-hmm. as two sole traders but the business is it's not a le- as you can tell it's not a legal entity it's no. just a just an agreement between us yeah you know as at, at a common level it just splits 50 50 unless we have some other agreement which says otherwise yeah um you run it as a business 
Um, it has its own separate little tax return. Yep. But everything flows between, at the end of the day, whatever the business does just gets yep. split between us 50-50. Yep. Profits okay. and losses. Yep. So course. that's that, the, the um, you know, advantage, again, very simple to set up. Yep. Just an ABN and away you go. Yep. Uh, minimal reporting requirements. Once again, it's just a partnership tax return. Yep. So that's all there is to it. Um, and then it's, what are the other advantages there? So it's simple to shut down as well. So yeah. once so again, say we come to a disagreement, we just go, okay, we're going to call it quits and we just go from there pretty is, much. Exactly. And it's good because it's the, with the business, it separates out cleanly. Yeah. So it's not like, all oh, things stay here. It just automatically 50, 50. Yeah. If we lose a hundred grand, we're getting 50 grand losses each. If yep. we make a hundred grand, we're getting 50 grand profit yep. each. Yeah. And so. you can have multiple partners, can't you? It doesn't just have to be one or two. Correct. You can have multiple partners, as you're well aware, with yep. all older accounting firms and legal firms. They're yep. all partnerships back in the day. Yep. They weren't allowed to have companies no, and partnerships. That's right. So, that's yeah, right. they're all just multiple partners together. Yep. So, what would be a con of a partnership then? Well, the big one, joint and several liability. Mm-hmm. So You're really relying on the other person, aren't you? Exactly. So if Cam does decide to do something a bit a bit dicey, you know, sell sell some candles which he shouldn't have, I can be liable and I can lose my house. Yeah, that's right. And because it, it comes down to that as well, it's there's no separate entity here. It's just you know both of us in it together. Exactly. So yeah, like we said, with the easy ones have their their definite pros with sole trader and partnership, but obviously their cons as well. The con, and there's a couple of different cons as well. Um, one of the interesting things is actually difficulty admitting new partners, mm-hmm. because what happens is when you have a partnership, if you want to take on a new partner, you actually technically have to dissolve the other partnership. It's not like you're adding one on; you're actually completely shutting it down and setting up a new partnership. Yeah. Which sounds like on on paper sounds pretty easy, but it could have some weird and wonderful outcomes if there's any ever disputes. Well, that's right. And you've got to come to, you know, a new agreement. There might be certain terms that you want in the old agreement that the other partners don't agree to. Exactly. um, Yeah, you definitely can leave yourself open going down that path. Yeah. And that that leads to a lot of limited flexibility Mm -hmm. because if you don't have any right agreement, it's just split evenly between the partners. Yep. There's, so you have to have like proper records showing that, you know, if you and I decided to go, you know, seventy percent to yep. Cam, thirty percent to Dave, because your candle's selling way more than my jewelry, yep. then we need to have that properly in writing, or yep. else common the ATO, and the courts are concerned, it's just fifty fifty. Yep, that's right. No, it definitely needs to be in writing. If you're entering into a partnership, that's when you definitely need to come and have a chat. Definitely. Okay. Uh Back to the one that most people would know then and the company. Yes. So company, everybody knows a company out there. What What's the pros of a company? Well, the beauty of a company is, is it's its own legal entity. That's right. So it's separate from everything else. Um, you set it up and it runs on its own. And it's responsible for its own debts. I, I do say there is some caveats yeah, okay. to that, i.e. obviously if you owe money to the ATO yeah. or you do something nefarious. You know, then Personal guarantees or something like that. Exactly. So you, you, it runs runs on itself and you as a shareholder or a director manage the company. Yep. So uh, let's just say our business is going really well. We decide to enter into purchasing, a, we set up a company. Yep. And then we would be shareholders in that company depending on how we split it. Yep. However, we want to doesn't matter. Yep, there's no problem with that. So that's some of the advantages on there. Um, 
one of the biggest advantages, obviously, it's a flat tax rate. Yep. So depending on, there's two tax rates right now. Uh, there's the 30% tax rate and there's a 26% tax rate. 26% mm-hmm. is for majority of businesses out there. Yep. Probably about 90% of businesses out there. Um, the 30% would be for businesses which are not active businesses. They're yep. sort of like holding companies, investment companies. Yep. So yep. it gets a bit messy if you you know start having you know a bunch of properties in there and it's holding different entities. So, uh, but just for every other standard mom and pop company, you know they they a couple of shareholders, they run their business out of it. It'd be a flat twenty six percent tax rate. Yep. Okay. And one of the good things about that, obviously, we've talked about limited liability. And then finally, one of the advantages is you can retain the profits in the company. Yep. So remember back, obviously, we're talking about with a sole trader or a, uh, a partnership. If we made, if we went gangbusters one year and we made 200 grand, we can't park the money. We have to pay tax on it straight away. That's right. So, but if the company has, makes 200 grand, yep. it pays tax on it and we can take the money out whenever we see fit and we'll just take, pay tax on it when we take the money out. Yeah, that's right. So it can just sit there for... Exactly. For the time being. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very standard structure. Yeah. It's a. It's actually quite a simple structure to set up if you wanted to. Normally, you can get a company set up probably in around twenty-four to forty-eight hours. Yep. From from go to woe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good, and, and that's the structure that we kind of see mostly these days. Yes. I know from my perspective when we're dealing with you know things in court, uh, usually it's companies fighting other companies. So it's really like separate legal entities. And by that, you, you almost need to think of it like another person. It's like a separate person. Exactly. Fighting against another separate person. That's what it is. So. And th- and that's where the difficulty comes in with it. Yeah. Is I think, and when we sort of talk about like the company, the one of the biggest complexity, one of the hardest con, and this probably is most of it, I would say about 80% of my business yeah. <laughs> when I'm dealing with companies, is you realize that people don't realize that the money the company earns is not their money, it's the company's money. That's right, absolutely. And that's something I think we really need to stress here. Like we said, the company is a separate person. It's not your money. And any money that comes from the company, you need to keep track of as to where it's going to go. (laughs) Because if something goes wrong in the company, the first thing a liquidator or the ATO or whoever's going to look at is where did those funds go? Exactly. And if there's not a legitimate reason for it to go to you, you're in trouble. Exactly. And if you, one of the most common things is how do you get the money out? Yeah. Because... I think one of the biggest things in our job is obviously getting the right right mix of your remuneration. Yeah. Because there's sort of two main ways you can get money out of the business. You can yep. either take a wage. Yeah. As a you know as an owner. Yeah. Or a director. Yeah. Or you can take what's called a dividend. Mm-hmm. A dividend being the profit out of the company. Yeah. So whatever's left over after you've paid your taxes and all that, you can get get a profit. Yeah. The, the advantage the they both had advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. You know, with a wage. You know, you get a tax deduction for it in the company. Yep. But you don't get a tax deduction for a dividend. Yep. But with a wage, there's a lot of on costs because if you take it, you're going to have potential superannuation. Yep. Workers' compensation. Yep. Payroll tax if your yep. business does well. There's, there's always these things. With a dividend, you have the advantage of what's called franking credits. So yep. if the company paid tax, yep. you get a tax credit for, for that tax which the company's already paid. So, which means that you don't effectively don't get double taxed. Yeah. So you get a credit for whatever tax that profit's made. Yeah. 
and so you put it in your own name. So it sort of has, it's good to have a good mix between that. Yep. yep. Yeah. No. So that is always the thing, and because a lot of people just rip money out all the time. Yeah. And which there's you can't this do. exactly there's this magical law in the world called Division 7A. And it's the bane of my existence. <laughs> and it's basically deals with people ripping money out of the business. Yep. And essentially, it has to be treated as something or paid back yep. one way or another. Yep. Most accountants, that's what they manage, is yep. managing the money going in and the money coming out from the director yep. or the shareholder. Okay, okay. Um, but obviously, companies aren't perfect. Yes. So... <laughs> Like like everything in this world, there's no one stop solution. Yep. What what would be one of the disadvantages of having a company? So obviously that uh, complexity when you're doing what's called remuneration. If people don't understand it, some people get into it and they don't realize how they get paid. Yep. So that's that 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 can be the first tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the other tricky things is losses are stuck in the company. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if our jewelry store, can, jewelry slash candle shop, made heaps of losses. Yep. Well, as a previous business, we had the opportunity to use them in our own personal name to offset yep. against my accounting income and yep. your work at Adams and Partners, yep. which can sort of work from a tax benefit perspective. Mm-hmm. We, if the business in a company, if you have a loss, it stays there. Can't get it out. Yep. You have to, it, has to earn, it won't use it until um, other incomes in. Obviously, that's changed a little bit with uh, the latest budget. Yeah. Uh, they have, you know, you can use losses against prior year profits, but that means that the business had to have been running for a while. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. One of the other things is obviously compliance costs. Yep. So some people are just have they have issues. You know, it, you do have to do a proper set of accounts. Yep. You know, you keep that up to date because those financials, as you know, when you go into disputes, first thing is you want to look at the financials of the business. Tax return doesn't really say much. You need a proper set of financials. I can tell you when we go down the insolvency path, the first thing that a liquidator looks at is what we call preferential payments. Yes. And if you know, you're been paying money out of the company directly to yourself and you haven't been paying wages or, you know, tax or whatever, um, the the ATO or the liquidator can claw it back. Exactly. So you need to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And that and that goes on to the next point with uh, difficulty. It is hard to shut down. Mm. So you know, there's two main ways a company can get shut down. You can either just deregister it, so just strike it off the record, yep. um, or you can fully liquidate it. Yeah. Um, if you, obviously if you deregister it, the company can technically be revived. Yeah. Um, if you liquidate it, well, uh, as uh, a great, uh, well, as a I wouldn't say great, but as a prime minister once said, it will be dead, buried, and cremated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. right so it is gone. Um, and the other thing is, winding up a company can be expensive as well. R- easily, like if there's an issue, um, generally you'd be looking somewhere between five to fifteen grand to liquidate yeah. a company, especially if you know you've gone through the process of voluntary administration beforehand and and things like that so okay companies good uh next one the one that lots of people refer to but don't really understand uh and that would be the magical trust ah the magical trust (laughs) it's a wonderful being this trust is uh a trust is a very interesting setup in it's really a trust at the end of the day is you know it's sort of basically an arrangement that's right it's basically saying that you know he i have this pen yep I give this to you on trust for you to manage the pen on my behalf. It's essentially an agreement. Yeah. And a trust at the end of the day is a flow through entity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything. Like it no. basically, you have a trustee. Yeah. 
which manages whatever assets are on the trust for yep. the benefit of someone else. Yeah. Generally a family. Yeah. Um, it's very good as a holding entity. And it one of the advantages with a trust is you have this flexibility where, you know, in a discretionary family trust, we can have the ability to distribute profits or income however we see fit. Yeah. Let's just say we ran a business together and uh, it was in a family trust. Well, we can decide each year whether we're going to split it 90, 90% to me, 10% to you, yep. or the other way around, or 80, 20. We can do whatever we want. We can yep. give some to your mother one year. Yep. Give some to my mother. Yep. We'll be good sons that way. Yeah, we would be. <laughs> exactly. In the good books. <laughs> so I guess um, with that, uh, and the good thing with a trust is it's a really good tool for uh, wealth distribution. It's a good tool uh, for protection as well. So the advantage with a trust has to be run by a trustee. Yep. They manage whatever is in the trust, which you can have another company as well. You can have like a little shelf yeah. company which runs on your path. So it's good for having that bit of asset protection as well. So it separates you from the asset you're, you're holding onto. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I see from my area is with a trust, you know, you're, you're limiting liability by say taking an asset out of your personal name and putting yep. it in the name of a trust. So if something happens to you, potentially can't get touched. Exactly. <laughs> Potentially. Potentially. That's a big caveat. There's a big <laughs> asterisk on that uh, potential there. But yeah. it's really good with family business. It's yep. a good way to distribute wealth to the next generation. And yep. it kind of separates you out as well. Yep. So it is it is a bit unique. Like you do have to have, have understand that it's, you know, you it is set up with like a tr what's called a trust deed and you have your own little rules yep. and it's got to operate in a certain way yep. um, and you really got to follow those as, as you can tell when you've, you've had any court disputes and you go you know if you don't follow the rules of the trust deed you can can really cause some headaches can't well, it? that's right that's one of the cons of trust is when trusts go wrong it is a fight. <laughs> trusts can be very very messy and we're talking about family discretionary trusts here but there's Loads of trusts that we deal with. Exactly. Um, but from a business perspective, that's kind of, you know, the one, main one you yeah. kind of talk about. Yeah, yeah like they're, they're, you have other trusts, you know, common one is obviously what's called a discretionary trust, where it's yeah. sort of very common with the family. People basically say where the money goes. Yeah. You have a unit trust where it's sort of similar. Everyone, well, everyone buys units yes. into the trust and you get a cut of the profit, whatever equivalent of your units. Yeah which is quite common with a lot of property development. Yep. It's a good structure to have. Um, discretionary trusts are very good for family entities. Yep. Um, a common structure I normally advise with a lot of clients, which I think is quite good, is if you have a company, having uh, a family trust as the shareholder. Yep, that's right. So you get a benefit. You get, the benefit. This, you get a double benefit because you have that protection of a business running out of a company. Yep. And then you have the advantage of the family trust to distribute profits as well. Yep. Yep. No, sounds very good. Um, what about the negatives of the trust? <laughs> well, first off, administration administration costs and requirements. Yep. It's kind of like a company, but a lot, bit more involved. Yep. The setup costs can be quite expensive depending exactly. on the kind of trust. Exactly. If you run a business out of a trust, which can be quite common, family yep. business, adds a lot of complexity in selling it. Yeah. And then that was one of the other things which obviously talking about with companies as well one of the cons of it is the complexity of selling the business itself that's right there's quite a bit of extra cost in there um there's no advantage to you to retain profit in the trust yeah so you ha every year a trust makes money you have to distribute it out 
or you're paying tax at 50%, the yeah. highest marginal rate. Yeah. So there's, so you've got to distribute it every year. And one of the things actually with a distribution, this is one of the tricky things, which probably goes into your area or more actually more in the divorce area, yeah. is when you distribute money to someone, mm-hmm. that creates a legal entitlement. That's right. So, you know, uh, we distribute money to our mothers. Yeah. They can come around the next day saying, give me the money. Yeah. And they'd have every right. Which is a a very common thing, like you said, in divorces where, you know, there could be a family business. Yep. And, you know, distribution's been going to a husband or a wife. Wife hasn't been working. So we distribute. Living off that. You know, you might think that, oh, they're not entitled to that. But, you know, come down to family law proceedings, it's going to come up. And paper, that's where paper trail comes be very big is where that's did right. the cash go? Yep. Where were the payments going? Yep. Yep. And especially, and that's also a thing when you're distributing to children, especially adult children, yep. because their distribution entitlement becomes part of their asset base if they get divorced. Yep. So then next thing you know, your kid's getting divorced and your family trust is part of the asset yep, base where right. you're it's having to liquidate something. So yep. that's a very tricky thing. Yep. I think one of the other big things with uh, um, family trusts is it actually has a finite life. So yep. a company lives forever. Yeah. A trust a trust only has an eighty year life. Yeah. And one of the biggest cases actually in Australia was with the uh, the Reinhardt family. So yep. Gina Reinhardt's family. And that was all about a trust, a trust vesting or wrapping yep. up. And there was a huge tiz over that. There, there was lawyers at fifty paces yep. over, and this was a, you know, a billion, few billion dollar trust. Yeah. And they wanted to get rid of their mother off it because of bad advice, and that that so that that's where it can cause a lot of issues way down the road. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, what about with a trust? The question that I have is holding property in a trust, so actual physical real estate, whatever. Yes. Um. Is there any benefit of holding that in the trust, or, or what's your kind of opinion on that? Depends what the property is. So yep. that's a very so one of the. It's a big question I get a lot of the times where people go, "I'm about to buy." Like you know, people go, "Well, I have a family trust, and I'll buy investment properties in there because yep. I don't want the property in my name." Um, one of the disadvantages of having a property in your family trust, one of one thing is obviously land tax. Yeah. So what things people don't know is land tax um, is how much land you have over a threshold. Yeah. I think it's about 700, 800 grand. Yeah. If your value is over that, then you pay tax on whatever amount is over the threshold. Unless it's your principal place of residence. Correct. The problem is, is if you have it in the trust, you lose the threshold. So you're yep. paying land tax on dollar one. Yeah. So that's one disadvantage. Yeah. So if you've got some big number properties, well, you could be in the hole a bit. Yeah, yeah. The fees are just adding up straight exactly. away. Exactly. Yeah. If you've got 20 properties, there might be negligible amount anyway because you're paying a lot of land tax. If yeah. you had a large corporate building, yeah. commercial, yeah. might not be that bad. Yeah. Because once again, it's that question of, Asset protection versus tax minimization. And that's the those two always clash. You're never gonna get a perfect scenario. Exactly. Yeah. I've got clients who've got awesome scenarios for tax, but I'm always concerned of their asset protection yeah, points as well. Yeah. We come to it, we're a bit pessimistic when we see that because we know what happens when it all goes <laughs> all goes pear shaped. Oh, you get some accountants and they they've got pie in the sky sort of stuff when it comes to tax structures, but yeah. they do they don't know a damn thing when it comes to asset protection yeah. and they just 
really set their clients up for being exposed and they the client won't know it until they got sued yeah and that's when it's all yeah that's down. right and we hope nobody ever gets sued but if you do you want to make sure that you're protected so. exactly and have a good lawyer that's right absolutely and an accountant you know that's already <laughs> been tracking it uh okay uh lastly we've talked about the magical trust i think the last one then would be the mythical superannuation self-managed superannuation fund smsf that's right self-managed super fund i don't know about you but when i hear people talk about smf or smsf sorry um they it's almost like a bragging tool these days you oh, know it is. you're not important unless you have a self-managed super fund oh um, yeah which sometimes i know from what i do it's not the best option but what's your opinion on it my opinion on it it can be done right if you're engaged yeah Okay, so self-managed super fund for those out there is obviously we all have put money into super. Yeah, you know we you know you have your typical you know your industry supers. <laughs> I'm holding up my little industry super <laughs> sign right now. You know one of those. I'm with one of those. Um, but what you can potentially do is take that money out of super and set up your own super fund. Yep. Instead of some big industry player is managing money on your behalf, you're managing your own super fund. Yep. For your own benefit. Yep. It can offer you obviously a lot more control. Yep. So that's where that is. And it's a obviously a great investment tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you, you know, because obviously super is the best tax structure out there in yep. Australia. Reason why, it's a flat rate of 15%. There's no other structure out there which gives you flat rate of 15% tax. Yep. That, that's it. That's yep. why it's the best inv- investment tool out there and also too you can't touch it <laughs> oh yeah you can't touch it to your 60 no, so, so. so if the market crashes or tough <laughs> just deal with it it'll, it'll recover pretty so. well so if if you feel like you're going to take your money out of industry and start blasting it into cryptocurrency yeah. so just be careful yeah but i guess that's the thing with self-managed super is generally you would most people would get into most people who should be getting into it should be getting financial advice absolutely um getting around proper advice of what their what their guidance is like i'm seeing a proper financial planner um to understand what their risk is and what they should invest in and sort of have that mixed up so the biggest some of the biggest pros out there is obviously the flat rate of tax yep and then obviously once you hit over 60 it's tax-free yep so obviously certain conditions being met, obviously you start taking a pension from it and you're a bit retired, but that, yep. that's the biggest advantage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in a nutshell, the big things with super. Yeah. So some of the cons there, and they can be quite tricky. So one of the cons first off is once again, administration costs. It's huge. Yeah. They're very expensive. Now, generally a good rule of thumb, most people the inside thing is, if you have less than 200k, don't even think about looking to super. Yep. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, it can only be used for investing. Yeah. Cannot run a business out of it. Yeah. Don't even touch it near your business. No. Um, That's why most people buy investment properties and, and things like that. Correct. Them. Correct. But it can be used in conjunction. So, you know, say you had a business and you had a factory, you know, you could potentially buy the factory in the self managed super fund. Yeah. So and then, then the business is giving a benefit to that self-managed super fund. As exactly. Well. They charge the tax rate. And it's a good holding asset at the end because, you know, you could just rent it out once you sort of sell off the business and you're still holding that property. Yep. So it's a good investment tool. Um, it gets very tricky. So it's heavily regulated. So unlike any other structure, a super fund has to be audited every year. Yep. You've got very strict rules of what it can do very strict guidelines. Yep. So, and the ATO will come down like a ton of bricks. Oh, that's so, right. Because 
you've got so much ability to kind of you know meddle with the system almost exactly. here. Um, they want to make sure you're doing the right thing because if you're not, they're gonna they're gonna hit you hard. Exactly. Like <laughs> interesting thing you talk about property there. So let's say you bought a residential house yep. and you're super fun. The way that they're so strict of the rules, so you can't even do anything with that house. If you yep. decided to knock down and rebuild it, you're yep. actually in breach. Yep. So literally, you just have to hold it. Can't build anything in it. It's purely investment. Yep. That's where the so that's where it gets. You know, you can't lend any. You can't take any money out of it. You can't lend the business yep. any money out of it. It can be in big. You've, you've got to remember, it's super. So exactly. It's like almost like having yourself super with one of those industry funds. Like it's there. You can't touch it. Well, that's <laughs> what I mean. You cannot touch it till you know. Right now, we technically can't touch it till sixty. Yep. Who knows what the next thirty years? Well, that's is right. Going it to could be. it could increase. It could so, be seventy by the yeah. time we're touching it. Yeah. So that is yeah a, a definite point. Yeah, it's just uh, it's very funny. You see people talking about self managed super funds like they're the be all end all. If you don't have one, you know you're not a cool cat in town. When oh. really, it just depends on the situation. Yeah, exactly. And you see a lot of people out there spruiking, going, "Oh, I'll set up a super fund and we'll buy investment property and all that." Yeah. And I think the biggest thing here is understand because you can't. One of the other things is you know, it's very tricky to actually borrow money in the super fund if you want to buy property. Yeah. You can't do it like, yeah. like you personally. Yeah. Um, a lot of bank, most... Ba- yeah, there's a, I think there's only, I was looking at it the other day, there's only two or three lenders that actually lend Direct. with super funds. All, the, the, all the big four, no. any major bank, you, you probably closest thing you get to a major bank might be BOQ, yeah. Bank of Queensland. And because of that, you know, interest rates are higher. <laughs> so. Exactly. And you need a lot more deposit. Yeah. So most banks... You need a minimum thirty-five percent of yeah. that because there's of way the more building. risk. Yeah. So, so like we've said, there's no be-all end-all. It depends on the situation. So, Dave, I think if there's anything I've learned from the chat today, it's get some advice. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And look, these things sort of come with time. Like I understand, I get a lot of businesses and they get a bit scared at first. And there are a lot of different tax rules out there to restructure, and that's the one thing. Is once you do it, it's okay. You can yeah. always restructure and actually there's quite a some good advantages for say moving from a sole trader or a partnership to a company yeah or transferring to a trust yeah there are tax concessions there's rollovers there's everything available it's just get the right advice yeah yep. plan ahead especially when planning to sell the business as well because it might be more advantageous to restructure the business in the lead up for a sale yep planning ahead that's well, the main thing is I, get the right advice i think the one thing that stuck with me you've said so far today is when you're setting it up plan your exit Exactly. Yeah. Most people don't realize, okay, wow, how do I walk away from this? Because yeah. that is what's going to decide whether that structure works out for you or not. Yep, absolutely. Well, Dave, I think that is some great advice. I know that I've learned a lot today. Uh, and I think that, yeah, our listeners listeners, sorry, out there will have a, a great benefit hearing that. And if they need to you know, have a bit more of a detailed chat, where can they reach you? Uh, they can reach us at uh, Judge Accountants. We're just down the road from Adams Partners, yep. uh, just near High Street Depot. So literally two-minute walk away from the fantastic Adams Partners office. And you can catch us. Uh, our phone number is 4732-3844. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Well, thank you once again for joining me. Great to have you here. Uh, looking forward to getting some more content out with you in the future. Uh, and yeah, like I said, if anybody's out there needs some advice from Dave, they can either contact Dave or contact myself. We'll, we'll pass on the details for sure. Uh, and if you're liking the content out there, please like and subscribe. Uh, and you can contact us uh, by sending an email to info at adamslawyers.com.au or searching Adams and Partners Lawyers on Facebook or calling us on 47216200. 
Uh, that's it from me today. So thanks once again, Dave. Thank you, Cam. No worries. And we will speak to you all soon. Thanks. Bye.